0: Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers.
1: Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom. We are 16 days from Michigan's opener against Colorado State, so football is coming quick. They're, what, two weeks, 15 days now, over two weeks into fall camp, so tons to talk about, and we have roster news. One of the most surprising uh, pieces of roster news that I've seen, um, including the fact that it was a transfer, And Michigan hasn't gotten many, what, just three, four over the last couple years. Obviously, some admission stuff there uh, creates some hurdles for guys. But Iabi Anoma, a former five-star-plus prospect, the number three overall player in the 2018 class, uh, signed and played at Alabama, uh, then was dismissed from the team there, went to Houston, was dismissed from the team there, uh, and that's what makes this thing so interesting. Went to UT Martin, sat out in 2020. Played in 2021 uh, and did pretty well, though. was an all-Ohio Valley Conference performer. Uh, he was all-SEC freshman team in 2018, nine tackles, two for loss. Uh, so when he's on the field, he plays well. There's some baggage there. Uh, obviously, the shout-out goes to our very own Anthony Broom on this podcast for breaking this news uh, last night. Uh, so, you know, obviously a, a great scoop. It's been confirmed by the program now that he is – Ah, uh, part of the football program, and and here we go. Uh, something crazy here. This is something that our Chris Ballas hinted at uh, a few months ago that this could be a possibility. Um, Anoma played for Biff Pogey, associate head coach at Michigan, at St. Francis Prep out in Baltimore. Uh, there's just so much to this story, and I'm going to read from Matt Zenitz uh, on Three Insider um, from why he was dismissed at Alabama and Houston. A couple years ago, he reported that there was tardiness, skipping class, clashing with teammates, insubordination, etc. cetera. Um, some of the same issues he dealt with at Alabama were the same ones that happened at Houston. Uh, with that said, based on the fact that he graduated from UT Martin, uh, the fact that he was actually on a roll at Alabama. Um, and he has since said that he's turned things around. Again, it's two years removed from those dismissals. Uh, Last bit of information on that before we start breaking it down a little bit more is he is a graduate transfer, as I mentioned, uh, so that, you know, it's unclear if he's eligible yet since he entered the portal August 15th, well after the May 1 deadline. Um, But there's precedent here for the NCAA, which is just, of course, a a dumb institution that doesn't, you know, follow any set of rules or anything. Tell us Uh, how you really feel. Yeah. Yeah. There's some precedent there for them giving out these waivers. Anthony, I was digging this up late last night after you broke the news. So Kentucky had a quarterback, Joey Gatewood. He entered the portal right around the same time last year, August 16th, 2021. Committed to UCF just after that. Received a waiver August 27th and played for UCF on September 11th. That is one of a few examples that we've seen since that uh, transfer portal deadline. And the one-time transfer rule has been passed. There were a couple others last year, just like this. So there's some precedent there. Him being a graduate probably plays a factor. Um, and here we go. 16 days until the season. Michigan has a new edge guy uh, who's you know six foot five, two seventy. When he's on the field, like we said, some of the clips you see, he's explosive. PFF ranked him the number ten edge rusher prospect in the country, despite playing in the FCS at the time when they released it this summer. Uh, uh, heading into the 2023 draft, so there's a lot here. Um, and let's let's talk about it. What, what, what kind of your initial thoughts here as this goes
2: down? Yeah, it was kind of a crazy day. Uh, just in terms of I w- I had I had had sort of notice on hey a friend of a friend or so a friend of a friend knows someone who works in admissions that says you know one of those types of deals. So it wasn't something that was necessarily pursued heavily early on in the day. And then later on in the day, as, as kind of work stuff, sort of died down a bit, which it never truly dies down. You just you find started more working more, breathe a um, little bit. Yeah. Um, just, I pulled up Michigan's directory and type his name in don't see him, don't see him. And kind of right before I was getting ready to sort of shut things down for the night, I type his name in there and bam, there he is. And, it's go time, so it is it's surprising. Uh now this is a guy that I think you had mentioned uh you know ballast had sort of insinuated Michigan was kicking the tires on back in the spring. I I, I think I I can say it was a name. I, I can't speak to you know what the contact was or anything like that. Uh, but it's pretty clear that like whatever the delay was in between spring football and now, he was he was attempting to graduate and he did graduate. And this is a guy who I think the biggest concern with Michigan fans so far has been um, the baggage, right? You know, you've been kicked off of two teams, and you're kicked off Alabama. I mean, if you can play down there, they will find every reason they can to keep you around. Mm-hmm. So, to not to not make it there, to not make it at Houston, uh, that was surprising and eye opening. Um, you know, this is a situation where there, you know, a lot of people are asking. Michigan has been in and out on so many guys in the transfer portal. Why is this the guy that they were able to land? And I think you hit it on – you hit on it already. I mean, it's the biff Pogi connection, St. Francis connection. Anyone who doesn't know St. Francis, that's where Blake Corum came from. That's where Nakai Hill Green has come from. That is where uh, – I'm missing one more. Oh, uh, Derek Moore, the freshman yes. Ed rusher in this class, is a St. Francis kid. So, you know, maybe this is one of those things where it does seem like – you know, he graduated, he's been out of trouble for two years. He sat in 2020, which I'm sure for a guy like that, you know, he was a five-star prospect and the number three player in his class. So to be humbled like that, and then to have to sit a year, that could go either way. I mean, some guys flame out after that. Other guys sit and learn and grow up. And last season at UT Martin, he played really well and well enough to where Dane Brugler had him on a top 20 list for senior edge rushers this summer pro football focus. I believe one is as far to say he's their 10th ranked edge rusher uh, going into uh, next year's draft. And that was before he transferred to Michigan. Listen, there's, there's a game in 16 days. He's not even on the official roster yet. He is enrolled. He got through admissions. All of that stuff is, is done and wrapped up Uh, unclear on when he will join the team. I'm sure there might be some waiver stuff that needs to get worked on there. Um, But like I said, they play a game in 16 days. So when there's conditioning thresholds to meet and then, you know, they are, I know they don't have Aiden Hutchinson or David Ojabo manning the edge rusher spots, but they are fairly deep there too. I mean, there are four or five guys we hear consistently that are guys that are going to play. So uh, he's going to come into Michigan. He's going to start at the back of the line and have to work his way up. And that will be either that he performs well and they have to move him up other guys don't perform well and you give him a shot, whatever it winds up being, uh, you know, you can never have enough, enough pass rushers. And this guy, uh, you know, he's put in, I say, put in the time, so to speak, in terms of turning the corner. He said, he's dedicating the rest of his football career to his grandmother, who would be proud of him for graduating. Uh, I know this is kind of a fourth chance for him, but it really does kind of feel like when you go back and look at his story, this is kind of a new beginning and a fresh start for him. And, not everything has to make total football sense. I think that even if he just comes in and he's a body, the fact that he can come in and go to grad school, get a Michigan degree, be with his old high school coach, be with guys that he knows that's, you know, that's a calming thing for him as well. So that's the long and short of how I feel about what he brings to the table. I know uh, from a football standpoint, he played a lot of the Jack uh, linebacker spot last year at UT Martin. So um, he can, he can do, you know, he can put his hand in, in the dirt. He can play from a stand-up position from there. Like I said, um, you just kind of get him on campus and see what happens. But this is not a Michigan adding a five-star contributor right away. This is a lotto ticket and it's either going to, you're going to scratch it off and win 50 bucks, scratch it off and win a dollar, scratch it off and win nothing. We don't really know at this point, but it came together quickly. And I think this is a guy that, uh, Anything you add at that position I think is a positive for them is my long-winded response to what he brings.
1: Yeah, a couple more things. Like You mentioned the familiarity there with guys like Blake, Nakai, Biff Pogey, also Jim Harbaugh, who recruited him. He took his official visit for the Ohio State game in 2017. So, in uh, Michigan was a finalist for him when he chose Alabama. So there is that familiar- familiarity. I know a lot of the staff, especially on defense, isn't the same. Uh, but they can get up to speed quickly. And then the fact that, hey, I mean, he comes in and I get all this stuff where they're playing in 16 days and, you know, it, it's going to be tough. But this is kind of the position. My counter argument is this is, you know, at the edge spot. It's kind of the position that you would, you know, most want. If you had to bring someone in 16 days or, you know, 17 when it, when it happened uh, before your first game this would be the spot because you don't have to play every down. They're going to sub a decent amount already at those positions, in my opinion. And as Don Brown would say, there's certain guys um, who you can just kind of tell them on your market set, go and in, you know, he'll, he'll go get the quarterback. I mean, he doesn't have to, I, I think he's more than capable athletically to drop in coverage and do some of the things that Minter is going to have these guys doing. But if, you know, there's a playbook learning curve, then don't have him do that. Have him you know, out there on downs where he's just going to, on your market set, go and get after the quarterback. So that's kind of my counter-argument in a way where, yeah, I mean, could he give you 20 snaps in a game in, in 16 days? I mean, I'm not betting on that. I think it would probably be maybe closer to the Big Ten season, but I wouldn't rule it out either, especially at this position.
2: No. Um, uh, yeah. And you could, like, like you said, you could just line that guy up, and if he's ready to go, you just tell him to go. Um, You know, the other thing, too, is that um, when we talk about these being pseudo preseason games, these non-conference games, if they're emptying out the bench at the end of the game, he's going to play whether he's ready or in shape regardless. Uh, You know, if they're just rolling everyone out there. So, yeah, I think that there is there's an opportunity here for that. Um, You know, if there's one guy like you said that you can bring in maybe outside of of I don't know if running back would be one, but there's a guy you can drop in at a position and just say, go get after it. It would be at the edge spot. So I could see him finding a role. It's just, you know, he's got four or five guys ahead of him right now. And if he outperforms them, he'll see the field, but you know, they're not just going to drop him into the two deep. He he does have to work his way up and earn it.
1: Yeah. It's not center where, you know, he's got to make calls at the line and things like that, or even safety or linebacker, um, you know, middle linebacker and things like that. So, Will be interesting to follow this one, and uh, of course, this news dropped just hours after Jim Harbaugh talked for the first time during camp. So we don't get uh, those comments from him, but that's all right. Um, let's move on to some of the things that Harbaugh did talk about. Obviously, the quarterbacks was the first question yesterday at Schenckler Hall. Um, not much of an answer, but in and of itself you know that is an answer in a way because at that time they were 14 days in. Uh, He said this thing is too close to call. Uh, They're kind of neck and neck still. Um, And he had said, he told John Jansen back on August 8th that usually into a camp, it takes eight or nine days, one guy begins to separate himself, and you kind of know, even if you don't name him yet, you kind of know who your starting quarterback's going to be. Doesn't seem like that's the case here. The Big Ten Network guys were inside practice yesterday. Uh, You know, they felt they both played well, and, you know, basically that this thing is ongoing. Jim Harbaugh said it could go into the season. And to me, that's where this thing's trending. I mean, if you go over two weeks with not knowing who your starter is going to be, uh, even if a guy does separate himself a little bit, I'd be hard-pressed to feel like it's enough to earn the full-time job. I think Cade would be the guy to start, uh, you know, right away. But then you go with J.J. and they both play and you see, you know, who separates himself or maybe they never do. Uh, as Harbaugh said, it's either going to be obvious or maybe it won't. And then they both play. Um, then he was asked uh, by our good friend Angelique Shangellis from the Detroit News, could this be a Brady Henson type of thing? A great question. And uh, I thought it was a great response by Harbaugh to not make that comparison. He said it's a you know unique situation. Um, but I think in terms of what it actually is going to be like, it could be similar in terms of a rotation like that. But I thought it was smart for him to deflect because people look back on that uh, comparison kind of you know negatively.
2: Yeah, I mean the fact that there is not like the the one thing I'll say about Jim Harbaugh, it, it seems like in the earlier years that he was here, maybe it was due to the fact that the talent wasn't quite as high at the position, but he would be kinda he would be play kind of coy about who was start like even when Shea Patterson transferred in, he wouldn't tell us that he was the starter until he officially took the first snap at Notre Dame. That's happened sometimes too, but I think it's genuine and 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 earnest this time that no one has really separated themselves yet. And that's, I mean, I think that's a good thing because we've heard, I've heard that both guys have played well. We've all heard that both guys have played well. We've we've seen uh, glimpses of both guys looking good and and looking ready to go. So.
0: Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers.
2: I kind of just go back to what what I've said from the start is that Know, even going back to the spring, it's felt like this is Kate. You know, Cade McNamara is out in front, even by just a millimeter. And if JJ wants it, JJ's got to take it, and that could go into the regular season. Uh, we know that those first four games, the first three for sure, we'll see. You know, I think you want to kind of know who your guy is by by Big Ten play, but you know, if let's just say even Cade McNamara starts the first six games, but then. JJ just really I mean it all comes together game you know game week 7 uh Cade struggles like it could this could happen at any time like where it just becomes clear that your guy is your guy and I, the guy who takes the first snap in the first game might not be the guy it, it, the guy who takes the first snap in the second game might not be the guy we don't really know um but I I continue to I continue to say that however this battle plays out is is an enormous positive for Michigan and, you know, on the topic of the Brady Henson thing, um, I've said it in the past, like, if at any point you wind up going to J.J. McCarthy, I don't think you can come back from that. So you have to be, you have to be sure that that's your guy uh, in the age of the transfer portal and all that, um, whoever it is. Like, I I, I think there's a little wiggle room if Cade's the starter because J.J. does have more time coming with this program. It does have a different gear to his skill set, but however it plays out. And I will say this too. I mean, Dave Revson set up, sent out some video from practice. This is to be taken with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean anything, but when the quarterbacks were lining up and taking their throws, uh, in whatever iteration of practice, it was the order of the quarterbacks went Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, Alan Bowman, Davis Warren. So I'm not sitting here saying that's your depth chart right now, but also, uh, Maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that was a little uh, tidbit that we're overlooking.
1: Well, yeah, like to your point, I think it's probably going to be Cade until he's, you know, it's proven he's not. It's almost like innocent until you're proven guilty because he is a returning starter. And also, uh, let's say that that drill, you know, the players just kind of go in and they decide who goes first. Cade McNamara is the type of competitor where he he is going to be at the front of that line. I know JJ is very similar, but Cade's a senior and and that's just kind of, how it goes. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, quarterbacks. We'll see how it kind of unfolds here as things go on, or maybe it doesn't unfold almost as Jim Harbaugh said yesterday, maybe it just will continue to be this where they rotate. Um, he also revealed his fall camp MVP to this point, which is Ronnie Bell. He said he didn't want to name any names to leave anybody out. Um, but then he just couldn't help himself because he had already kind of said it was Ronnie Bell. Uh, And then just raved about what he's done. Said he's going up and getting balls. He looks faster. uh, His hands look better. And continue to talk about it. But I think he's going to have a huge season. Uh, He said that, um, you know, he's looking for some tone setters on both sides of the ball and special teams. And he sees some emerging, but he wants to see more of that. Uh, You know, not just the top leaders vocally, but guys that are really going to set the tone in practice and then be those guys in games as well. And then he named a million guys and i thought i was thinking they're like man he's right and i think he even left a few out and i think that's a good sign for michigan too at this point that there's really too many guys to name that are in that mold or potential tone setters or already tone setters um and he's going to continue to look for that but also of note from the press conference uh no major injuries no long term injuries some guys banged up We'd heard one offensive lineman in particular missed some time last week, but is back. Um, And, and, you know, pretty much as healthy of a fall camp as you can possibly have.
2: Yeah. That's the critical thing right now. You're getting to the point where we're getting close to, I mean, there's camp the rest of this week, there's camp next week and it's a game week. Like we're getting really close. So um, I do wonder if we see some of those guys that are emerging as starters or the veterans that, Maybe they do kind of ease off the gas pedal a bit, but then again, maybe they might not. Uh, It's good to have a clear, a clean bill of health right now. Uh, As far as the Ronnie Bell thing, I'm not surprised by it at all. I mean, he was a tone setter even last year before on crutch. I mean, the guy helped set a tone on crutches. So anything he does on the field isn't going to surprise me. And, you know, I really do think like, and there are people, I talked to some NFL people before last off season. Uh, I've talked to a few during this off season. People are, I mean, in that circle, in league circles, they're really interested in seeing what that guy can do. Um, Because even just, I know he only had the one catch. and went for 76 yards in that opener last year. But there are people saying that like the way that he was running routes and camp and and just how crisp everything looked, that was going to be a guy that, you know, who knows, maybe could have been a day two pick had he stayed healthy. Uh, But he comes back this year. Am I going to be surprised if he goes out and has a – I don't know what would be a comparison like a Chris Olave type season, you know, 60 catches, 900 yards. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Uh, leading, you know, they have a lot of options at receiver and people keep going, well, who's the guy? And, and you look, they look to andre Anthony. They're like, Oh, well, Cornelius Johnson was the leading receiver last year. They look at, Oh, maybe Darius Clemens can, can emerge as a freshman. Don't look too hard. He's right in front of you. Uh, I, I think that John or uh, Ronnie Bell has a, he has a Jake butt esque way of always finding ways to get open. And with them presumably throwing the ball more this year, I think that that guy is, you know, he's, he's primed to feast. So not surprised by it at all. I mean, he's setting personal records in all kinds of speed and agility categories coming off of a torn ACL that guy, he's, he's going to have a big year. I have no doubts about that at all.
1: If you had to, pick somebody who has the second best chance of being the leading receiver, not even necessarily who's going to finish second, but the second best chance, who would you, who would you say?
2: The second best chance. It, again, I think it's one of those things where don't look too hard because it might be right in front of you. I wouldn't be surprised for Cornelius Johnson yeah. to have another good year. Um, Andreal Anthony, I think is a guy that uh, could have a, a, a big season in an, in an expanded role. You know, he only had, I think he only caught twelve balls last year. Six of them were in that Michigan State game. So a lot of us sit here and go, "Wow, you know, he was one of the breakout stars of last year." Where, you know, he had a game where he broke out and then was kind of quiet the rest of the way. I'm really interested in seeing, especially when you start hearing people call him or that he's emulating Braylon Edwards and that's a guy that he's looking up to. I don't know, but then, yeah. I mean, like I said, there are just so many guys there. Um, you know, AJ. He, I mean, playing wide receiver full time. Roman Wilson, it doesn't feel like we've heard a ton about him, but, you know, that's a guy. Um, I mean, the options are, um, no one will mistake their wide receiver room for what Ohio State had last year or what LSU had in 2019. But, God, there, there are options. Again, it goes back to what I was saying about lotto tickets. Like, you have a plethora of talented players. You let them compete, and you see who emerges.
1: Yeah, Roman Wilson is a perennial under the radar type of guy for whatever reason. Eight multi-catch games last season, missed a game, so that's 8 out of 13. Was huge in some of those bigger games that we saw Wisconsin uh being, you know, kind of his breakout game and then had a couple big catches against Ohio State. Uh Andre Anthony's my guy as the second best chance. I just feel like the upside with him is so high and it's funny Ron Bellamy must have been listening to the podcast last week cuz we were talking about the Andrew Anthony Braylon Edwards comparison. Uh, and then it turns out he's trying to emulate him. It turns out Ron Bellamy has a, you know, pictures of Braylon and some other guys that he played with at the wide receiver position in his office that he tries to remind guys what kind of legacy, what kind of standard they're trying to uphold here. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then Jim Harbaugh doubled down and said, he thinks it's a good spot on comparison in terms of the way they move. Uh, he said, Andrew Anthony is already a heck of a good player. He's going to be even better. Um, I'm. he's one of the guys I'm most excited to watch because he looked like he was one of the few guys on that field on New Year's Eve against Georgia on offense that looked like they could hang against that type of speed, that type of strength and athleticism. He scored Michigan's only touchdown in the college football playoff. That is a trivia answer right there, if anybody gets that question at some point. But, um, like, that dude has a chance to be special. Um, And you look at Braylon Edwards, uh, not to go on and on about this, but he didn't have a ton of production his freshman year. Uh, you played in six games, 38 receiving yards. Andrell had 248 and three touchdowns last year. So, Michigan receivers typically, if you look at the all time greats breakout in that sophomore season, wouldn't be shocked if Andrell Anthony ends up leading this team in receiving. Although, I wouldn't pick him to finish sec- second in receiving yards, if that makes sense. Like the upside there is what I'm, what I would bet on. Um, let's, uh, Let's end on a couple quick hitters here. I uh, thought this was too good not to mention, but Jerry DeNardo. I know a lot of people on the message board don't love him. He's had some you know, negative comments about Michigan in the past, uh, the Big Ten Network analyst, but this is what he had to say about Michigan's practice. He said that was as good as it gets in every aspect of the game, totally organized, coaches coaching every snap, talent everywhere, a really good freshman class that's going to help their depth, looks like a team that can compete for the championship without a doubt. Um, and then he was asked, you know, is this a program that basically had a flash in the pan last season with the big 10 title, uh, or is it one that's kind of on this level to stay, uh, you know, for the years to come. And he said, based on today's practice, yes, they can continue to play for the championship. Uh, there was a 10 year war, Woody Hayes at Ohio state, Bo Beckler at Michigan. They were evenly matched. I think that's where we're headed. That series was five, four, one, uh, in five, four and one in, in favor of Michigan, as he noted, Um, I would be surprised as we go forward in the next four or five years, this thing with Ohio state and Michigan, if it doesn't go back and forth, back and forth, I don't think we're going to see either team dominate the series like Ohio state has recently dominated until last year. That's how good I think this program is. Um, he didn't just like speak positively about Michigan yesterday. That is about as positive as you can get. And you're talking about comparing them to their biggest rival which has recruited at an unbelievable level and played at an unbelievable level over the last 15 years uh, thoughts when you hear that
2: that's that's high praise we're not we're not used to that when talking about the Michigan Ohio State rivalry so I would I would pump tap the brakes a little bit on yeah. Yeah. on ten-year war I mean I realistically speaking like can Michigan comp- should Michigan be able to compete? with Ohio state year in and year out the way it recruits, the way it develops talent. Absolutely. I think over a 10 year period, if you can grab four of those would be, does does that seem fair? Oh yeah. Um, I, I mean, anything less than that would sound, you know, would look like Ohio state's dominated, you know, dominates over a 10 year stretch. But if you grab three or four of those, like I said, I mean, it's, but that's the thing too, is that something I'm really curious about this year is, I want to know the psychological effects of what that game does to Ryan Day's program from last year, because that was not just a two-touchdown victory. That was that game was not as close as the score indicated, honestly. And not only that, but like your your team's manhood came into question. Yes. your physicality, your culture. Um, yeah, they're gonna throw another video game offense out there this year, but uh, I have I still have questions about you know. Guys on their offensive line. I'm not sold on their front seven on defense. I know they're gonna they're switching schemes, and that obviously did wonders for Michigan last year. But you know Jim Knowles' scheme is seems like it's similar to Don Brown's in that uh, you know maybe when you when you do that, and there was no adjustment to really Don Brown's style of defense. But anytime you make a huge schematic change, that's um, that's something that's a big change. So. They have the talent to offset that, but yeah, you know, like I said, I I really am interested in seeing if that's one of those culture, like maybe not to the level that the 2018 game sent like shockwaves through Michigan's program over the next three yeah. years, but I do wonder if there's a little bit of shell shock there still because when we were there for Big Ten media media days, that was not the Ohio State crew that walked in there with their shoulders, you know, held high and their chest puffed out, um, but they. Any good program will find a way to bounce back from that. A uh, great program will find a way to bounce back from that. So the way they recruit, I mean, some of the, the top-end talent they bring in, I'm hesitant to say 10-year war, but do I think that? If, do I think that what Michigan did last year is sustainable? I do. I do believe that.
1: Yeah, the Big Ten media day thing. We got off the elevator, walked right past Ryan Day. It was just so funny to like, you know, he's not – As big as some of the other coaches, you look at Pat Fitzgerald, you know, linebacker, Jim Harbaugh, NFL quarterback. And then Ryan Day was just kind of standing there, was on his phone, and you forget sometimes these are just regular guys, but um the yeah, the confidence, whatever you want to call it, from that team, it didn't seem to be as as much there as maybe in the past, but that that's just very, very subjective and very, very small sample size of observations. We we
2: see the things we want to see exactly.
1: Yeah, that's fair too. Uh, and you mean you're pumping the brakes on the ten-year war because you think Ryan Day is going to be fired after Michigan beats him this year, right? Oh, okay.
2: yeah. Well, yeah, that's not no, totally what it is. And they bring Urban Meyer back, and it's back on. That's right? That's
1: true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, but I mean Jerry DeNaro, and that's the same. Speaking to your point about Jim Knowles and the Ohio State defense, defensive, you know, they were at Ohio State camp a couple days prior, and he said, "Hey, you know, new defense, like like what they're doing, but." it's going to take, you know, a lot of time to adjust just like any new defense. It's not come in, you know, this is an overhaul. It's similar to what Michigan did last year, but I think what Michigan did last year fit its personnel pretty well. And you talked about some of the toughness issues. Uh, they're trying to, you know, change a lot of things over there on that side of the ball. Luckily for them and for Michigan in some aspects, you have a lot of time to do that uh, until the two teams play, but it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, each fares early on in the season, mid season. And by that, by that last game, Um, that's going to be our show for this week. A lot to talk about. You never know what you're going to get here. Uh, Maybe another transfer next week, who knows? Uh, And uh, make sure to get this video up to 500 likes, smash that like button. We appreciate all you guys, uh, you know, watching on YouTube and all the people listening to the audio version Stick with us at thewolverine.com. We have our $1 deal. $1 gets you premium access for your first year. So just do that right now um, and, and get on the message board and all that stuff before the season, before the deal runs out. Uh, follow us on all the social media platforms there, and we will see everyone next time.